Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. Okay, so you may or may not know this, but we are not a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, just so we're clear. But I wanted to show that video this morning because I think one of the things that United Methodist Church doesn't get 100% right is the fact that when we are called to be Christians, we are called to be in mission to all the world. And I think the LDS Church does that well. And so in this video, you got to see this young woman who is having a party to announce to her friends and her family as she's opening her packet where exactly she's going in the world to do ministry. How many of you guys got your packet in the mail this week? What would you do if you did get that packet? This is, yeah, okay, all right. So everybody would just freeze in dead silence and fear. What if you guys got a packet in the mail that said something like this, Dear Sister Valerie, or maybe uh, Dear Brother Jeff, you are hereby called to serve as a missionary for the United Methodist Church. You are assigned to labor in the Mexico City Mission or maybe the Kenyan Mission or the Malawi Mission. Your mission is expected to last 18 months. You are to report to the missionary training facility in Oklahoma City in May 2020. I see a lot of faces that say, nope. <laughs> would you be excited or would you be terrified? Let me hear it. Excited? 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 Who said both? Both? I think that's probably good. A little bit of both is probably a normal example. Um, how many of you have ever been on a mission trip before? Okay, so significant number of folks. Where did you go? Thailand, Thailand Mexico, Argentina. Okay, hang on. I just heard uterus. I don't think that's a place. <laughs> what? Honduras is what you said? Okay. Honduras, I think that was combined with somebody else's. I, okay. <laughs> is that a British colony? I don't know what the, okay. Whoo, all right, it's getting hot. Anybody else? Where else did you go? Estonia. Estonia. Tulsa, Houston. So local places in the United States. So I, I want to talk about that here in a minute. Um, the only mission trip that I have been on. I, I was a, a youth pastor in Oklahoma City for five years at a pretty small church there, and we had zero budget for mission work. And so we ended up in, what was it, 2004, I think, going to Restore Hope in Tulsa. So we, we went from Oklahoma City to Tulsa to do mission work with Restore Hope. Uh, and Jeff has pictures of me as a young man when my hair was not this gray, which is fun. Um, I did have a, an awesome goatee. Um, so when you went to these places, what did you do? What did you do when you were there? I, I made a raised bed garden for Restore Hope. What did you do in your location? Construction, construction. construction. Street, drama. Street drama. Painting. Building homes, things like that. Building a church. We led a camp for kids. A children's camp, that's good. So... All these different mission projects all around the world are ways that we are living out our baptism. They're ways that we are disciples of Jesus Christ and we're living out our calling to go into all the world preaching the good news. The truth is that part of our faith 
is about living for not just ourselves, but living for others. Our faith requires us to respond to the life of Jesus by choosing to live as Jesus did. Where did Jesus live, right? Did Jesus stay in like a little single room hut in a little town in near Jerusalem? No. Jesus traveled all over the ancient Israel, Israel, ancient world near Israel, in Israel. Jesus didn't stay in one spot because Jesus knew that his mission was important. His word was important. His life was an example that needed to be shown to all people. Mission should be a part of who we are. And as a matter of fact, it is part of the vows that we take as United Methodists when we join a church. We vow to support our local congregations through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Our service is what we do for Jesus. It's the mission that we are called to and we should be living out every day. I want to read some scripture to you. It comes from John chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. And we've heard it in here before, but it's important, so we'll hear it again. Here's what it says to us this morning. You can follow along on the screen. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, and this is John the Baptist, just so we're clear. There's a lot of Johns in the, in the New Testament. Uh, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and he asked, what, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Immediately we see Andrew go. Like I have found the one that's gonna change everything about the world. And the first thing he did was go. And he brought his brother, somebody who knew needed Jesus, right? Because sometimes we know our brothers need Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus. And now because of his, his excitement, because of his zeal, because of his desire to share Jesus with the world, Peter's life was changed, right? Simon, Peter, Cephas, all the same guy, just so we're clear. But his life was changed. And, and not only was his life changed, but think about all the people whose lives were changed because of the ministry of Simon Peter. Sometimes your excitement, sometimes your desire to follow through with what God is calling us to do, sometimes that is what we need to change the whole world. And sometimes it only takes one person. 
What would it look like if every one of us were so excited about our faith on Sunday morning that we brought somebody to church with us? But we don't do that. And it's, I'm not trying to guilt trip you into bringing people to Jesus, but I mean, you should totally be bringing people to Jesus. <laughs> and I don't mean just you. I mean you, like me, I'm included in that. All of us are called to be in service to God, telling the world about who Jesus is. John the Baptist knew who Jesus was, and we know that John the Baptist knew who he was because he sent Jesus, or he was sent, John the Baptist was sent, to point the world towards the Messiah. Two of John's own followers turned around and left John to follow Jesus. Andrew did, I think, what comes naturally. I, I don't know what your conversion story was like. I don't know what your experiences with God have been. I don't know if you've been a Christian your whole life. Or if there was a moment as an adult where you're, you're, you experienced Jesus and everything changed for you. But I will tell you a story about me. I, I was one of those church people, like my whole life, from the time I was an infant, I was raised on the front row at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. The 8.30 in the morning sermon every week, it was a mess. And so I went to church every single week from the time I was an infant until I was in the, the sixth grade. And then it was like youth. Finally, I can go and be a part of a youth group. So we had pizza and basketball every week. It was magical. It was a good time. But I, I don't know that I really knew who Jesus was even as a sixth grader. It wasn't until I was about 14 or 15 years old that I had that moment. That's hard to even explain, but it felt like God reached into my heart and just flipped a switch. Church went from being a burden to being something that I was passionate about. And I invited every one of my friends to church with me every week. And nobody ever came. But I didn't stop inviting people. I want to talk to you about baptism for a minute. In the United Methodist Church, we believe that baptism is a sacrament. Do you know what a sacrament is? Nope, good. All right, I'm going to read you the definition. And this comes from our United Methodist Church website, so it's umc.org. And here's what it says. The word sacrament is Latin translation of the Greek word mysterion. From the early days of the church, baptism was associated with the mystery that surrounds God's action in our lives. That means that at our best, our words still can't even understand and describe what happens in our baptism. We cannot rationally explain why God would love us while we were yet sinners and give his only begotten son that we should not perish but have eternal life. That is the most sacred and unfathomable mystery of all. We can experience God's grace at any time and in any place, but in the sacrament of baptism, we routinely experience God's amazing grace. In baptism, we receive new life. Through Jesus. Baptism is not just a washing away of our sins. It is a recognition of Jesus' prevenient grace that Jesus has been calling us since we were born. God has been working in and through us and around us before we even recognize that God is real. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says this We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. 
that new life that we receive is like being adopted into the family of God. Are any of you in this room adopted? I had three adoptive brothers growing up. And I can't imagine what it would be like not having a family. I don't understand that. But for those of you who have been adopted, I bet this probably brings a a little bit different understanding for the rest of us. Being adopted into a family is a major thing. Going from no family, no father, no mother, no brothers or sisters to a family. Guys, the church is not about stained glass windows. It's not about, you know, how much money we can raise through our chili suppers. Church should be about making sure that our brothers and our sisters are okay. Not just in their daily lives, but their spiritual life is okay. We are called to be brothers and sisters to one another. And I've not really even been a good brother to my brothers But God calls us to be that to the people who are sitting around us, to the people who are outside of these walls also. We are adopted into a family, and that family should change the world. How many years has it been since you were baptized? Do the math right now. 40, what? Did you say 43? I forgot you were that old. I'm sorry, how many? Uh, that wasn't a cut down. I'm just saying. How many? I'm sorry. Okay. 63. Anybody want to beat that? 68. Yes? Okay. Do I hear 71? Do I hear a... No? So think about it like this. I, I barely remember my baptism because I was about five years old. The only thing I remember about it is coming back to the nursery and having a wet shirt. For us, for most of us, I would say it's probably been a long time since we were baptized into this family that we call ours. For some of you, if you've never been baptized, I'm, this is my encouragement to you. If you've never been baptized, let's fix that. But today, I want you to remember the time in your life where God basically said to you, yep, you're mine. For some of us, we've lost that passion. We've lost that desire to share what we have with the world because we've, it's just been so long. And for some of us, we're sitting here thinking, well, God has called me into the mission. Like God has, has done all these incredible things in my life. I've been baptized. I've got this calling on my life. I know this, but, but gosh, I'm only 28 years old. What am I going to do? Or maybe I have too much debt. How am I going to serve God in the world? Maybe I'm not done with school yet. How am I supposed to go serve God if I've, if I've got, you know, eight semesters of school left? Uh, I don't have the ability to build a house. I, what am I supposed to do? How do I serve God if I don't have a specific skill? For some of you sitting in this room, you might be thinking, I don't know that I can serve God because my life has been a mess. Folks, if you are here in this room, or if you're online right now watching, you've been called. All of us, not just in this room, but all of us in the world have a calling from our God and our Savior to make a difference in the lives of people around us. 
It doesn't matter how messed up our lives have been. Moses had a speech impediment, killed a guy, and still was able to deliver people out of slavery in Egypt. Aaron, Moses' brother, created a false god, but ended up being the father of all Israelite priests. Abraham pretended his wife was his sister so that he wouldn't be killed by Pharaoh. Weird, don't do that. Jacob. <laughs> Jacob scammed his brother and his father to get a blessing that he didn't even deserve. But Jacob became Israel. Joseph had pride because he was his father's favorite, had this great coat of many colors, this ornate robe. His brothers sold him into slavery, but God was still with him. Pride didn't cause just a fall, but his obedience to God changed all the ancient world. Peter denied knowing Jesus three different times. He often showed how, how much he lacked faith. But Peter became one of the most passionate disciples of Jesus and changed the world. Paul. We've talked about Paul a number of times, but Paul is the perfect example because Paul is somebody who started out not just, you know, ignoring the church, but he actively fought against the mission of Jesus in the world by calling Christians to trial. Later on became the world's first and most powerful missionary. None of these people were perfect, just like none of us are perfect, but God calls us to be in service to him day in and day out. 1 Peter 2, 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. Baptism doesn't in an instant make you clean and perfect. and uh, It doesn't do that. But it begins a process where God is building you like a living stone into a temple of the Most High. It's totally appropriate, I think, as the beginning of a brand new year, beginning of a brand new decade, for us to remember that God wants to use us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.